Welcome to another inspirational podcast at Real Life Church. For more great content and updates, visit reallifechurchkc.com. So whether you're here with us in person or online, get up on your feet. We are going to worship God this morning. And so I hope that you have a smile on your face. Church is fun and we are going to celebrate our God today.
never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin fresh, new every morning. And it goes on, the next verse after that, to say that the Lord is good to those who depend on him. So we're going to lift up the goodness of our God today. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. And all
are so, so good, and we cannot be more grateful that you are filling this place this morning. Would you speak through Pastor Sean uh, this morning as we just really understand and, and come to know how good you truly are and, and how blessed we truly are to follow you. And God, please fill with, uh, this place with your presence as we uh, get this morning started off on the right foot. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And speaking of on the right foot, um, no, you do not need to get your eyes checked. I am not Drew. Uh, my name is Brandon. I'm very excited to welcome you guys to Real Life Church this morning. Um, and before we get too far ahead, I uh, do want to welcome a very special group of people. They're not here at Kentucky Trail Elementary in uh, person, but they are here in spirit. So can we wave back to the camera, give a big welcome to Real Life Church online, make them feel heard here this morning. It is so good to see you guys, though, here at Kentucky Trail. And uh, before we go uh, too far, go ahead and uh, say hi to someone next to you. Give them a fist bump, a wave, and have a seat. As you guys are sitting down, um, I do want to welcome anyone that is new uh, for the first time here this morning at Real Life Church. We are so glad that you are here today and decided to spend this Sunday morning here with us. And, you know, I would invite you to take a challenge. Uh, take a challenge. Um, get out your phone right now and, and open up your calendar app. And let's go ahead and pencil in the next three Sundays, um, 930 or 11 here at Kentucky Trail Elementary. Um, I really believe that God has you here this morning for a reason. And I think we can see that play out over the next several weeks. So uh, go ahead and pencil that in and, and we will see you here. Uh, next Sunday as well. Um, we do have a couple other next steps uh, if you are new here at Real Life Church. Um, we'd like to invite you to fill out our digital communication card, and you can do that one of two ways. Uh, you can text RLNEW uh, to 97000. Um, that'll pull it up a link on your phone. Or if you look at the seat back in front of you and see the, uh, the QR code that you can scan, uh, you can get to it that way as well. Uh, once again, we're just so glad that you are here with us this morning at Real Life Church. If you are here in person, uh, we'd also invite you to, uh, over to our new here booth right after the gathering where we do have a small gift for you. If you aren't new uh, to Real Life Church, you guys well know that we are a church on mission, uh, and that mission is to see people far from God discover their real life and purpose in Jesus. And I don't know about you guys, but we're in a series right now where if you don't know what your purpose is, I think James does. Um, if you guys have been taking the, the Read Me Challenge over this week, um, it has been a very, very just practical and an awesome way to get to know uh, what this life is all about. And so I'm excited to have Pastor Sean up here again this morning to uh, preach us through the word of James and uh, give it up for Pastor Sean. Drew is growling in the front row. Good, Sean. Man, I love you. Uh, can I just say a thank you to Brandon for jumping in? Um, fantastic. The man who welcomes us gets a welcome, and I want to be direct. I don't want to say it in a roundabout way. We love you, Brandon. <laughs> Brandon designs roundabouts. He's an engineer and has a lot of fun with the roundabouts. So, uh, you're welcome. <laughs> if we let him talk about that up here, it's going to be the whole message. So it's going to be good. But I hope you guys had just a great week. I uh, hope you had a, a lot of fun reading the book of James. Uh, and if you didn't, you were here last week, you don't know what we're talking about. That's fine. Uh, you'll have a chance. Um, but I'm excited to see what God's going to do through this series. I've had so much positive feedback from this already. Uh, I saw you guys post online. Uh, some of you guys are getting smoked by James. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I saw the post. I know Trisha's in the house. Uh, Amanda Doyon, I don't know. You, you read it backwards. It was crazy. She literally said it. read it. 
I was like verse backwards, words or just chapters, I'm not sure. Um, but God was just moving through her as well. And so uh, my mom, she called me, she goes, you know what? Uh, I, I took the read me challenge. I said, did you? I said, that's, that's incredible. She was actually, I, I read it so fast, I was startled it was over because <laughs> it's only five chapters and it's not like other books, like it's short. Like if you pick up uh, James in your Bible, my, you have to flip, flip the page once for me to read James, you know? And so my mom, she's a big reader. So she picked up, she's like, well, I read James and I'm like, wow, that was quick. I'm like, well, you know, if you want some quick stuff, you can go to Jude or Philemon or, you know, she said, I'll read those too. I was like, how about the gospel? Man, go to, go to John, you know? And she's like, I'm going to read all this stuff. And I said, mom, listen, you know, if you read the Bible 15 minutes a day, just like you read James, you can read the whole Bible in a year. And she goes, well, I had no idea. It's just that fast to follow Jesus. And I'm not saying you should read the Bible through in a year. If you've never done it, I think you should do it. Uh, but just to know the word of God. But man, this is one of those habits you put in your life that forever changes you. Foundational as a Christian, amen? Just getting into the word of God and letting the word of God get into you. And so uh, the challenge was to read James, uh, the whole book of James, by the way. People ask a lot of questions on that. Are you sure it's just a verse or a chapter? It's like, it's the whole book. It takes like 15, 20 minutes. But to read it for 30 days straight. And so maybe you started, maybe you didn't start. But uh, I want to encourage you to jump in. So today, I want to get some feedback from you guys. Uh, how many of you guys read the book of James this week? Just put your hand up. Just read it at all. Oh, nice, nice, very good. All right, now how many of you were like, took the challenge for real, and you did it every single day, maybe six or seven days, depending on what day you started? Who, who did it? Put your hand up all the way. All right, here's, here's what I want. I want to get a word from the word from you guys. I want to, I want to talk to somebody that put their hand up there. God's been moving in them. Uh, maybe you saw something in James you never saw before. Uh, maybe you've been smoked by James. There's just something sticking out. Uh, the word of God is like a two-edged sword. It's just going to kind of, just kind of, not just read it, read it, but it reads us. And so maybe God's been speaking to you. Anybody got a word from the word from James? This got one t- time for one person, maybe. Anybody got something God's showing them out of James? I get people pointing at people. I'm going to go back here. Look at this guy. <laughs> There's people pointing at people. I love that. Voluntold right there. All right, this is Brian. If you don't know Brian, stand up, my friend. You know Brian. Give it up for Brian. <laughs> He's waving. I love it. So What'd I, you get? So I tried to bookmark something out of every um, every uh, chapter just to capture something out of every chapter. And I think um, ver, uh, chapter two, no, sorry, chapter three was the one. So. Uh, it's three, five through six. So to the tongue is a small part of the body, yet has great pretensions. Uh, think how small a flame sets a huge forest ablaze, and the tongue is a fire. The tongue represents the word of wrongdoing among the parts of our body. It pollutes the entire body and sets fire to the course of human existence, and is and is set on fire by hell. So I just thought that was like a reminder to you know, you know, watch your tongue and not and you know just you know think before you speak and um, you know not not be inflammatory to, you know, situations that you're in or something like that. And, you know, it's really, really easy to just mouth off about something, but it's a lot harder to stop and think and try and be productive and move, <clears throat> move the situation forward. So That's awesome. That's a good word. Come on, get up for Brian. I'm going to jump back up here. Uh, but, Brian, I'm going to congratulate you because you're doing something um, that is foundational to a Christian, and that is getting a word from God yourself. Uh, being a self-feeder. And so you read the word of God and God spoke to you and he's convicting you or showing you something, giving you something fresh, something encourages you or shaping you and applying it to your life. And that, that's really foundational as a Christian, amen? Uh, we just don't get a meal once a week. And so getting to the word of God is so important. And so I want to congratulate you doing that. And uh, the reality is we can do it every single day. Uh, the word of God is shaping us. It's like a hammer and a chisel. 
and it's cutting off some fat. Come on, somebody, right? It's doing some heart surgery. Uh, as Brian said, there's some things in their heart. There's some things that, man, it's so easy to, to mouth off. Uh, that's a good scripture for social media. Come on, somebody, right? And, uh, and the real reality is it's in our heart because the mouth speaks what, what's in the abundance of the heart. And so I love that God's speaking to him through that. And each of us, I, I believe, as you read James, this is why I love doing it this way, just one book for 30 days, um, which is really powerful, is because when you go into the rest of your life, which you're going to get there, right? You'll forever go, man, James says, James says, James says, James says. I'll have, I'll have you give a testimony, and you'll just start reading. You'll just start saying James because you know it inside your heart. Uh, God will convict you. You start talking to your children, and you'll say, hey, you'll be, you'll be quick to listen, son. You know, like just right out of James, right? Like it's just going to come natural to you when you read that, and forever you'll know, like just not like skipping a rock, but throwing a large boulder into a, into a river or a creek or a lake, dude, this is James. And this is the word of God, and it's true, and God can begin to shape you. So over the course of this month, you're going to do a lot of repentance, amen? Because God is going to start cutting some things into your life and out of your life, and so I'm excited. So thank you guys for reading. If you haven't started yet, hey, never too late to read the word of God, amen? If you, did, if you tried it every day and didn't make it, hey, we love you. Come on, somebody. Um, keep pushing. I'd love to see what God's going to do through you. Well, this, uh, this whole series really is kind of diving deeper into James. Uh, you could spend a year in the book of James. We're not doing that. And so at some level, I'm still kind of skipping a rock across the surface. But I'm going to pull out some highlights of James, the theme of James, uh, get a little deeper in some areas in James, and uh, really leave it up to the Holy Spirit and God for you to be reading this and uh, get out what God has put into you on this. So next three weeks, we're going to go through uh, the book of James. And uh, I take that back, actually. Next week's very special. We have something different happening next week with heart and soul. So we'll put James on pause next week. But we'll do James 1 today. And so I'll do a prayer before we jump in into the first chapter of James. Father God, we come before you. Uh, God, I pray you just do something inside our lives today. God, you'd move in us. God, that your word of God is sharper than two edged sword. God divides the bone and marrow and the soul and spirit and does really just uh, judge the thought and intention of our heart, God. And so, God, just drive uh, into us uh, the word of God and chisel away and cut away things that don't look like you. Uh, build us up and encourage us. Allow us to know you because we know your word and we see you and we leave changed. God, I pray we just don't read you, but God, very actively when we pick up your word, this isn't a dead book, it's a live book, God, that you're reading us. And so, God, I pray you'd be quick to listen today. God, be slow to anger and slow to speak, God, that we would hear the words you have for us, that we'd be forever changed. I pray for those who picked it up uh, this last week, and I pray that this would begin a habit in our lives, a daily habit, that we could follow you and know you every single day, that knowing you isn't difficult, but it's a discipline. And so, God, I pray that we begin the discipline of reading the word of God to put in our heart every single day and follow after you. God, bless those who are in your word. God, encourage us who aren't. And God, use this today and pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. We're going to dive into James chapter 1. You never guess where we're going to start. Verse 1. Come on, somebody. Um, we did this verse last week, but I'm going to hit it kind of starting off. But James 1.1, 1, 1, this is where the heart of James, I love this, it says this, from James, a what? Somebody help me out. A slave. A slave, this is a bondservant of God and Lord Jesus Christ. He says the 12 tribes dispersed, amid, uh, dispersed around greetings. And so he's writing to these 12 tribes. This is the Jewish people. He's writing to these Jewish people that are being persecuted. He's in Jerusalem. Uh, he's really one of the first pastors in the church of Jerusalem. And these, these Old Testament uh, followers of God are now believing that Jesus is the Messiah. So they're called Messian, Messianic Jews. 
And so they, they believe in Jesus, and now they're getting baptized, and they're being persecuted for their faith. It's not like here in the United States where maybe a couple people don't show up to your baptism and kind of give a little hate mail. Uh, when, when, they, when they got baptized, uh, they were being kicked out of their family, being ostracized, shunned, removed, disowned, and killed for their faith. And that's where they're being dispersed, being persecuted, and being killed. And so James, he starts out saying, James, a bondservant a slave of Jesus. And this word for bondservant is a Greek word, doulos. This, this means a slave for Jesus. It actually means this, one who sells himself into slavery of another. It's pretty impressive that James freely said, I'm gonna be a slave of Jesus. Now, I know if somebody asked you uh, your relationship to Jesus was like, what word you would choose. But for James, he said, I'm a slave of God. For him, it was the highest honor to lay his life down at the feet of his half-brother Jesus and say, I serve the king of kings. It was a privilege for God to use his life. And those Old Testament leaders, you'll find Moses and David and Elijah were also called themselves slaves of God. I'll say this today, that oftentimes when you follow Jesus and you follow God, your first step forward is often a step backwards. You wanna pursue God, you wanna do things for God, you wanna accomplish things for God. It's a step back in humility. And for James, that's what he's saying is I'm a slave of God. He's saying I'm, I'm, I'm humble before God, amen? It's not about my ability. It's all about Jesus. And so for us today, we just take a step back in humility to say, God, I trust you. you I'm going to follow you no matter what. And that's where James starts off his book. I've heard it says this, said this, why is serving an earthly king considered such an honor and privilege, but serving a heavenly king called a sacrifice and a duty? I remember becoming a Christian and following God with my life, and so many people were disappointed that I didn't do something bigger with my life because I wasn't making a lot of money, right? And so many people that I sat next to and people that poured into me and loved me were not impressed I was serving a, a heavenly king. But can I encourage you today, there's no greater honor and privilege than serving our heavenly king, amen? And it's so easy to get distracted by what we see here on earth. See, for James, submitting humbly to an infinite, almighty king of kings wasn't a drag, it wasn't a drudge, it wasn't even a duty, but it was the greatest privilege and honor of his life. Amen? It's really that we may serve God. Like, we get the opportunity to serve Jesus. And the reality is this, uh, we, as us that saw ourselves a slave to God or serve God, it's because we've experienced the resurrected Jesus. When you experience Jesus, everything has changed. And for James, he went from being a, really a skeptic to a servant. In all reality, a huge doubter to a doer, literally, of the word of God and people. And so last week we talked about a book, and uh, I just briefly mentioned it. And it was really about being a skeptic and uh, growing faith. And I, I read this book when I was 17 years old. I know a lot of you guys uh, raised your hand last week were kind of laughing at being a skeptic. Um, it was called The Case for Christ, uh, Lee Strobel. And uh, I want to add some value to you guys today. If, uh, if you're in that spot, you're like, hey, man, I, I, wish I wish I didn't have so much doubt, or maybe I feel like I'm a little skeptic, or how do you really know where the word of God came from? Like, I don't know if I trust all this. Like, and uh, how many of you guys read this book before? No, a, lot, a lot of you read this book. So many hands across the room. All right, so if you pick this book up, guess what? You're in a room full of other doubters and skeptics. Come on, somebody. Uh, don't feel ashamed. Uh, Jesus loves doubters. Uh, James is a doubter. Uh, he told Jesus uh, that he was uh, not the son of God and then later met Jesus. And I was like, all right, you are. And uh, you look at Paul, and he killed Christians because he didn't believe that Jesus was said it was. So I'm going to pass out somebody who wants this book. If you really feel like God can use it and you want to read it, I would encourage it. It's a little more intellectual. Uh, but if you want this, I'm going to give it to Drew. Come here, go, Drew. This is for Drew. Put your hand, so put your hand up and take this book. It's a freebie. Come on, somebody. This is your chance right there. T Tony, right there in the third row. Tony, wave your hand. He's going to read this instead of going to the Chiefs game today. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Watching the Chiefs. It's not going. But 
<laughs> Dude, if you shoot a picture of me during the Chiefs game and you're reading the book, I swear God's all, hands all over you. <laughs> oh, that's going to be good. But, man, how you start a letter is so important. And uh, every letter in the New Testament, most every letter in the New Testament, has what they call a salutation, has a greeting, has an introduction. The introduction is so important because it really drives the theme of where that person is going to go. And James is no different. He writes with a purpose. And so why is he writing? And if you look at James chapter uh, 1, verse 2, it says this, My brothers and sisters, this is how you know he's talking to Christians, amen? He's writing to, to these Messianic Jews, consider it nothing but what? Help me out. Nothing but joy. Nothing but pure joy, deep joy, great joy when you fall into all sorts of trials. Consider nothing but joy when you fall into all sorts of circumstances. Uh, consider all joy when problems hit life, when life gives you limits. Consider it joy because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect effect, that you'll be perfect and complete. Now, here's what it doesn't mean. That word perfect doesn't mean flawless, amen? Uh, the perfect means mature, so don't think that if you follow Jesus hard and you think you're going well, that you're going to be perfect, okay? Uh, you're, you're still in a fight, but you are mature, not deficient in anything. And so this is significant. This is really starts out the theme. And so I wrestled this down. Uh, this is kind of the summarization, the theme of James that, that, that I put together. Uh, you may come up a little different, but it'd be something along these lines and simply this, that God is working while you are waiting, patiently waiting, that your problems are opportunities for you to mature, that you can live out your faith to a lost and dying world. This is the theme that James go back to over again, that God is working while you are waiting. Now, if there's a memory verse, if you haven't had the chance to memorize this one, this is the verse you should memorize out of James 1, uh, that verse 2, second half of 2 and 3. Consider nothing but joy when you fall into all sorts of trials because you know that testing your faith produces endurance. Uh, this is one of those uh, foundational verses you're going to have to go after as a Christian. If you prayed uh, the sinner's prayer and you thought you're gonna, your life's going to be easy, uh, I'm sorry to tell you today, come on somebody, uh, that you're going to be persecuted. Jesus was persecuted and uh, you'll be persecuted as well. And while you're enduring, what happens is God is working in you. I would encourage you today, your problems don't, doesn't mean that you're doing something wrong, amen? Uh, it's not like some, some kind of karma game. It's not a game, well, if you're good, then there's no problems. If you're bad, there's problems. No, it doesn't work that way at all. The problems don't mean that God doesn't care as well. Matter of fact, it's the complete opposite. Your problems mean that God does care, amen, because he's using your problems to mature you. Uh, problems don't mean that you're being punished. It uh, doesn't mean that you did something wrong, and now God is going to put the microscope, you know, and a little light on you and kind of sit on the throne and give you a little fire like you burn an ant. Uh, that's not what this means at all. Matter of fact, it says the opposite. It says, count it all joy when you fall into problems. Here's the, here's the reality. Problems reveal. Problems reveal what's below the surface. Problems reveal and don't conceal. Now, I've never met somebody that, that's, I've met a lot of people that, that love painting. Oh, I love painting. I love painting. I love painting. But I've never met a single soul in my life who's ever gone to me and said, Sean, I love prepping. I love prepping. Who knows paint is all in the prep? A paint job's all in the prep. If you want something to look good, you got to spend the time and energy behind the scenes to prep it. Now, you may, everybody loves, like, I'll put the color on, but, man, most people hate the prep work. And when God gives you a problem, he is prepping what's beneath the surface. If your first job of painting is just put paint on the wall, it's like putting lipstick on a pig. Come on, somebody. 
You're going to see all the imperfections, all the issues, all these different things. It's like, oh, cool, you want to have all that stuff, but below the surface, you have all these issues that are immaturity that are leading to these other problems, and eventually it looks terrible, right? And so the reality is God is using your problems as an opportunity to mature you. Your problems are a test of your faith, become your greatest opportunity to maturity. What James is saying is simple this. Stop grumbling about your problems. Come on, somebody. It's so easy to just complain about the problem, but instead start thanking God because he's growing you. Uh, every time I get into a problem, the first thought I have is, God, what are you showing me? Because I've been through some, some hell and back kind of problems, right? And some of you guys are walking through that valley, uh, walking through that season, and you're like, man, I don't know what to do. Just thank God there's a problem because God is trying to get your attention and use you. Listen to me. The lady at Taco Bell, when you order the meal and you get the wrong bag with the wrong food, with the wrong drink, come on, somebody, 45 minutes later, she is not your problem, amen? It is the patience inside of us that's the problem, amen? If your kids are acting like fools, come on, somebody. Your kids aren't the problem. I'm preaching to a lot of people right now. Your kids aren't the problem, right? It's the anger inside of us that's the problem. Matter of fact, thank God money is tight because now I get to follow Jesus, amen? I get to eat from his hand. Thank God that you have some pressure at work because now you can endure in front of a watching world and you can say, man, how do you do that? Well, just because of Jesus. That's not because of me. Can I encourage you that your wife, your husband, your kids, your boss, your coworkers, your friend, your coach, they're not your problem. Come on, somebody. And maybe Michael Jackson had one thing right on this where he said it was the man in the mirror. Hey, do you guys, man, you know that? Uh, if Michael Jackson had a book in the Bible, come on. <laughs> you guys finally got one there. That was good. Wow. Mirror, right? Man, it's the person you see in the mirror. It, it, it's, it's revealing happening inside of you. And so what's happening is Jesus is allowing you to be in a test. It's like Job was in a test. So Joseph was in a test. David was in a test. Every man of God, woman of God, is tested, refined, forged. You ever seen somebody make a sword and they have to heat up really, really hot and have to test it, and then they, then they prove it, right? And they put it in cold water and it gets really strong, so it's useful. God is proving you. God is testing you through all these trials. Here's the reality. If we respond negatively to the trials, if we respond negatively to the test, to the problems in our life, we become a victim instead of a victor in Christ, and it's so easy to look out and say, well, I, what about this? And I'm mad about that. And I hate this. I can never forgive this person. And yada, yada, yada. And just barf out this old self. But the reality is Jesus wants you to turn to him and trust him. Think about David. David was passed over when, he, when his family was anointed. There was going to be a king in the family. And uh, they went down the line and all the boys were home besides David. And dad was like, it's got to be one of these guys. Put the strapping men up first, you know. And none of them were anointed king. And then it's like, oh, yeah, I guess I have the other eighth boy that's out in the field. Go get him. Yeah, okay, he's going to be king. So he's overlooked. He's bypassed. And then, then he, instead of being put in the king spot, he is hunted by the king Saul. For, for over a decade and a half, he's hunted and tried to be killed. And, and David ultimately says this, thank God for my Saul. Ultimately, he says, thank God that I was a problem because I grew. And think about Joseph. I think of the Old Testament. He is sold by his brothers into slavery. They wanted to kill him, but they had mercy, you know, great mercy just to give him to put in slavery, right? And, and then he gets sold. He's at Potiphar's house. He's, he's a slave at the home. And then the wife falsely accuses him of coming after him sexually, falsely accused that, he, that he wanted to pursue her. And so he's thrown in the prison. He's there just to rot. And all of a sudden, he starts interpreting visions and dreams. And the Pharaoh himself pulls him up and then establishes him the second in charge of basically everything in all of Egypt. And God uses that so he can feed the entire nation of Israel in a famine, including not just his dad, but all the brothers that sold him to slavery. You guys remember the story? 
And his brothers stand there and like, I hope he doesn't recognize us, which he did. And then he said to them, he said, listen, what you meant for evil, what man meant for evil, God meant for good. Where's that man in the mirror, right? Make it good. You got that verse, right? It's like everybody knows his verse, right? Maybe. Maybe for good. The reality is those problems that you face, maybe people meant for evil. Maybe people want to use them, manipulate them, all stuff. But God is going to use those problems, amen, for his good and his glory that we can just live and endure through them and grow maturity and be on display for the world to see and go, wow, our God is good and God's going to use all those circumstances. Here's the theme. God is working while you wait. Your problems are opportunities for you to mature and to live out your faith to a lost and dying world. So verse five says this, but if anyone is deficient in wisdom, if anyone lacks wisdom, this is a great verse you should memorize as well, he should ask God who gives to all generously without reprimand, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed around by the wind. For the person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord if he's doubting, since he's a double-minded individual, unstable in all his ways. I love this verse because the reality is this. There is level ground at the foot of the cross. Whether you're a Christian for three seconds or 30 days or 30 years, you can ask for wisdom and faith, and God is going to give it to you. Amen? This is significant. You know what that means to me? That, that means that there's not this proving period of yourself with Jesus. That God wants to put you in a situation to use you right now. He wants you to be effective immediately for his cause, for the kingdom of God. You don't have to endure through the trials to be mature, for God to give you wisdom. That God wants to help you right now, amen? As you're walking this season, you need some practical insight. Uh, you need some actual help of how to walk through the season with your family and all the chaos and maybe health diagnosis and all the trials you're facing and these problems. And the Bible says, hey, your problems are one of your greatest opportunities, not just to endure, but to lean on Jesus and ask for wisdom. Amen? And so all Jesus wants to do is walk in relationship with you. Hey, what direction should I go with this? And God is going to speak. And he might just, he might just tell you, uh, hey, either way. <laughs> right? Because some of us get really bent on the specific will of God and which direction to go. But the reality is this, is that God wants you to walk wisely with him. He wants to direct your steps. He does not want you to be confused as a Christian and bewildered. What, what should I do with my life? Where should I go? God wants to give you wisdom. And I think as a leader, as anybody, this should be one of those prayers you pray every single day. Amen? God, give me wisdom beyond my years. Amen? I need the wisdom of God because I'm not that smart. Nobody amen. Come on, somebody. That was your chance. Your problems are opportunities to ask God for wisdom. And then James confronts really what competes most with our heart. When we get in these problems, our first inclination is to say, well, God, you must not care about this. You know, God's out to get me. Uh, God's not faithful. Oh, God's not real. And all of a sudden, there's a competition that comes in our heart. There's a, something fighting for our affection. And so James says this in verse 9. He says, now the believer of humble means. Uh, and just so I'll stop there. I'm, I'm reading the NET, by the way, if you don't know what version I'm in. And uh, the reason I'm reading this is because I have some study Bibles in it. Um, but I think you should be in the Word of God. This one's a little harder to figure out. But humble means. It means the lowly. You might read your verse. It says the lowly means, right? Uh, an, an, a wealthy Christian. A, a poor person. That's a Christian. It says, now the believer of humble means should take pride in his high position. What this is saying is, is simply this. Is that you may not have a high status as a Christian. You might not have the nicest house in the block. Come on, somebody. Uh, you, might not, you might have fully funded retirement. Uh, you may not have a lot of followers online. You, nobody else may know your name outside your family. You may, your, your name might not be in lights. Uh, you may not have that many likes. Come on, somebody. I feel like Dr. Seuss right now, right? <laughs> 
You may not have a high status, but you have a high position in Jesus. Amen? That you are an adopted son or daughter of the king. That you're forgiven. That you're a child of God. That you're, you're, you're a royal priesthood, a, cho- a chosen people. That, that you are forgiven. That, that, that you are made whole in Jesus' name. You have a high position. You're an heir to the throne. Amen? Like, that's who you are. And so when, when, when James is saying, hey, I guess the world's going to compete for you, but I know you don't feel like you're winning because you're a, a lowly, poor Christian. And by the way, I, I really honestly don't believe that Jesus is probably talking to anybody in this room on this verse. Come on, somebody. I really don't. I mean, because a lot of people are like, oh, I'm not wealthy. Well, compared to Trump or somebody, I guess. I don't know. I mean, a billionaire. But compared to most of the world, we are the wealthiest people. Amen? We are very wealthy. I mean, if you own a car, come on, somebody. You are wealthier than 70% of the world by owning a car. So when you think, well, I'm not wealthy, well, you're not wealthy compared to who? Because compared to most of the world, you are very wealthy. So it's the second part of the verse we should read. Verse 10. But the rich person's pride should be in his humiliation. If you're going to take pride in anything as a wealthy person, be pride of the fact that you are going to be humbled. There's two ways of going about it, by the way. You either be humble or be humbled. Come on, somebody. That's how you work. That's how Jesus rolls. He says, because he, he will pass away like a wildflower in the meadow. For the sun rises and the heat and dries it up in the meadow and the petal of flower falls off and the beauty is lost forever. So also the rich person in the midst of his pursuits will wither away. Man, I wonder what's going to happen one day in my life when I, when I die. What was I pursuing? Like what was on my heart? And for the wealthy person, it's, it, the temptation is just continually pursue wealth. Just continue to pursue. And the reality is we always want twice as much as we have. Come on, somebody, Right? I mean, you think about your salary, it's like twice as much, whatever it is. You're at twice the size of the church, right? And it says this. It says, for that person must not suppose, sorry, I'm not reading this right. I'm missing my, I messed myself up here. We're going to get there. <laughs> I love you, Jared. I feel like I got burned, but thank you. There we go. Sorry, flip my page. Listen to this. Don't let the pursuit of this world be the solution to your problems. Amen? Don't, don't let the pursuit of everything you see in this world be the solution to your problem. See, the reality is this. Please do not leave here today and think your solution to your problem is more money. Come on, somebody. It's so easy to do, right? And, and so for James, he's writing to these Jewish people, and they have lost their homes. They've lost their jobs. They've lost their careers. They've lost their, literally their blessings from their family. They lost their inheritance. They lost their reputations. And the temptation would be to regain their status and forget about their position in Christ. See, the reality is this. Money often puts you in pursuit of a status and not in a position to be used by God. When you sell yourself out to, to the American dream, or, and it's very real. I mean, for me, that was my story, and I almost gave up on all of the things of God so I could have a lot of money. Now, I will say this. Money is not the problem. Come on, somebody. The love of money is the problem. But there's a direct connection between your wallet and your heart. Come on. There is, there literally, biblically, there's a truth that, that, that where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And it's so easy to pursue the next thing. And it, it's so easy to lean that direction. I'll tell you this, uh, wealthy does not mean godly. Come on, somebody. It, it doesn't. You think, well, man, if I, if I was more godly, I'd be wealthy. No, you have exactly what Jesus wants you to have. Matter of fact, your dad owns a, a cattle on a thousand hills. Come on, somebody. And he owns the hills. Come on. He owns everything. If he wanted you to have it, you would have it. But the reality is this, wealthy doesn't mean generous either. Amen? You may suppose, like, the, the church is built on, like, a few wealthy people, and you guys, like, the, the average people just show up. No, the church, the church is built on average, ordinary people who are sacrificial in their giving. Amen? Uh, and, and the reality is this. Just because somebody gives a large gift doesn't mean they're generous. 
Can I back that up? If you're a wealthy person and you give something that's a very small percentage to your wealth, that does not make you generous, amen? It's just the truth. And so it's sometimes hard for me as a pastor to say, hey, thanks for your generosity, because I don't really know if you're being generous. I know you gave. Come on, right? But the reality is this. Generosity comes from the overflowing presence of God in somebody's life, and they're saying, hey, thank you, Jesus, and they give back generously. Matter of fact, I truly believe the wealthiest people in the church are the people who do give, amen, because you're storing up treasures in heaven. See, there's nothing wrong with money, but it's wrong with the love of money. And I'll end this with this. The pursuit of wealth often comes at the expense of God. Somebody tweet that. Come on, somebody. The pursuit of wealth often comes at the expense of God because you don't have time for it. You're so busy and, and making money and going after the American dream and all that stuff. And there's nothing wrong with working hard and having money. I think you should have these things. But it's the love of these things. And James, he put it right in front of, his, of, his, of the whole book he wrote. Because he knew that when you face problems, your first solution is to go on an Excel sheet and pick up a second job and try to figure your thing out and store a bunch of stuff for yourself and build some bar. Come on, somebody, right? Like, James knew that that was going to happen. Nothing's changed since Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. James writing to us today. But instead, James says this. Like, how, how do we live through this? What should we do instead of pursuing all this stuff? James says in verse 12, he says, happy, blessed is the one who endures testing. Here's this theme that's running through James, right? This enduring of testing. Again and again, you're going to see it. Because when he has proven to be genuine, he'll receive the what? Help me out. The crown, the crown of life. Like, hey, happy is the person who endures all his testing because one day you can get the crown of life that God promised to those who love him. See, the reality is this. Problems aren't just a, 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 way for, uh, a situation for you to be asking for wisdom. Problems are really your pathway to happiness. Come on, somebody. Like the other side of your problem, the other side of your trial is actually the happiness God's had for you. So I encourage you, don't quit in the circumstance, amen? Don't quit when it gets hard. I think so many people quit way too fast. I really do. Like they start following God, they get choked out by things in the world and they just quit on God. Like where'd that person go, man? Like they were coming so faithfully for a few months and then uh, the, the, world, the world just throwing stuff in their life. Truck problems, come on somebody. I mean truck problems, pulling away from Jesus, right? Happiness is not found in comfort, amen? So James is saying, he said, happiness is found on the other side of your trial. Matter of fact, you just gotta trust God long enough to know that you won't completely drown. Come on, somebody. Like Peter, he gets out of the boat, and he fixes his eyes on Jesus, and he's floating, he's walking on water, right? And he takes his eyes off Jesus, and he starts to sink. But what doesn't happen to Peter? He doesn't ever drown, amen? And you trust in, trust in Jesus, like you're not gonna drown. You may sink, you, you may try to walk by faith and fail, but the reality is Jesus is going to pick you up and put you in the boat and say, oh, you little faith, figure it out. Start trusting more. You'll get there. And the reality is this. One day you get a crown of life for enduring hardship. That, that, that's just the reality. That, that's, I hate to say it. This sounds like a terrible message, but this is what James is saying, that your life will be full of the challenges and these problems, but we're called to endure. And one day uh, you, you receive this crown, and you're not going to stand for Jesus. You're not even going to probably kneel for Jesus. You're going to lay with your nose to the ground, face down the ground, just prostrate, just prone, right? And you're going to just worship Jesus. He's going to tap you on the shoulder. He's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And he's going to give you a crown of life for enduring. He's going to thank you for choosing me. Thank you for taking the hits. Hey, thank you for living in Jerusalem when everybody's trying to kill you. But you witness the people. Thank you for living out your faith. Thank you for believing me. Thank you for trusting me. And you're going to take that crown, and you're going to just worship Jesus, and you give it back to Jesus. Amen? Because you're not worthy of the crown that Jesus has given you. Count it all joy. So you consider how do we do, how do we endure? And James goes through this in verse thirteen. He said, "No one say when he's tempted, I'm tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and He Himself tempts no one." And uh, you know, we like people like to blame God for their problems, but the reality is this: God is not drawing you away from Himself. 
God's not putting these things in your life so that you could not follow him. God's putting these things in your life so that you would follow him. So when you walk through something hard, I believe God's trying to teach you something big. Amen? He's trying to get your attention. He's like, hey, wake up. <laughs> wake up. I'm right here. I'm the sustainer. I've never changed. I'm the beginning and the end, the king of kings. I am immutable. I never change. I'm the same. Yesterday, day, and tomorrow, you can trust in me. He says, but the one who's tempted, but one is tempted when he's lured away enticed by his own desires. And God didn't move. We're the one moving. He says, then we desire, when desire conceives, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is full grown, it gives birth to death. Do not be astray. Do not be led astray, my dear brothers and sisters. Because there's this rumor going around that God's the one pulling us away from him. The rumor going around that we're tempted away from God because he is evil and he wants us to fail, but that's not the reality. See, God does not move. We're led astray by what's on the inside. If I squeeze an orange, what comes out? Oh, you guys are smart. If I squeeze an apple, what comes out? If God squeezes you, what comes out? <laughs> some of you took it literally. Some of you took it figuratively. I don't know, right? But when God squeezes you, it reveals something inside of you. It's revealing your character. And so instead of saying, God, I hate the pressure. God, why'd you put this pressure? You're evil. You don't like me. Blah, blah, blah. No, he's just squeezing you to see what comes out. Is it godliness that comes out? Is it the fruit of the spirit that comes out? Is it patience that lady talked about? Is that patience coming out when God uses that lady to squeeze you? Amen? Come on, you know, you know, you know your marriage is the place you're getting squeezed. Come on, somebody, right? And what comes out, right? It's a picture of the church, right? But what comes out, you guys are sharpening each other, right? That's what happens, iron sharp with iron. But what comes out when God squeezes you? We don't blame God. We don't blame the pressure, amen? The pressure's gonna come. But what's revealed is revealing our character. See, rather, God doesn't cause us or tempt us to sin. He gives us freedom from sin, amen? James 1.17 says this, all generous giving and every perfect gift comes from above, coming down from the Father of lights, whom there is no variation or the slightest hint of change. See, what he's saying is God the Father, that Jesus, God the Holy Spirit, they're steadfast, they're unchanging, that they're the same yesterday and tomorrow. And by his sovereign plan, verse 18, he gave us birth through the message of truth. That's the gospel. They're born again through what Jesus did on the cross, that we'd be the kind of first fruits of all his creation. See, the reality is this, the Father lights, there's no variance, there's no change. Matter of fact, the Father lights cast out all darkness. And the reality is, is that God wants to cast out all the darkness in our lives too, amen? He wants to cast it out. He doesn't want you to live in darkness either, so he gave generously. Matter of fact, he gave his perfect, spotless lamb of God, Jesus, for us, amen? He gave the perfect, permanent sacrifice on the cross, who himself was the message of truth. Matter of fact, the Bible says, if you believe that Jesus is the way, the only way, the truth, amen, and the life, that you have life everlasting, you be born again. And he gives us truth. And he makes us, he gives us birth. And the reality is we become first fruits of God. Now think about this. All of creation is messed up because of sin. In fact, the Holy Spirit is called the restrainer because he's restraining, because all of creation is groaning because of sin. You have tornadoes and hurricanes and all these, all these problems because of sin. And the Holy Spirit's restraining these things on earth. And out of the first things of everything that Jesus redeemed, he redeemed us. Amen? He redeemed us. We were the first fruits of redemption. We're the first thing in all creation that was affected by sin that was made perfect in the image of God. Amen? Oh, come on, somebody. Jesus came down. He didn't fix the wind. He didn't fix nature. He, he, he fixed us. 
because he loves us, the first redeemed in all creation. In all creation, we are free from the curse of sin. And so the reality is this, God made a way for us to know him, to have freedom of sin. So it's not God that causes us to sin, it's ourselves. We're enticed away by our own lusts and desires. Verse 19 gives us instructions how we follow God. It says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, as Christians, let every person be quick to what? Help me out. Quick to listen. Be just way God gave you two ears. Come on, somebody. We all heard this, right? Slow to speak and slow to anger. For human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. You'll never find God's righteousness when you're angry. So put away all filth and evil excess and what? I love this. And yeah, humbly welcome. Humbly welcome the message implanted within you, which is able to save your souls. Here's the reality of what James is saying. What's happening to you is not as significant as what God is saying in you. What's happening to you, please don't leave here and go, I wish I wasn't in these circumstances. If I wasn't around all these problems, if I wasn't married to this person, if I had that job, if I, if I wasn't whatever, right? But leave here going, okay, God, what are you doing through these circumstances? I'm listening to you today. See, God's speaking, but are we listening? For so many Christians, they're so mad at God. Whether they say or not, they're mad because maybe a loved one who is sick or somebody that's not here anymore or their life is not fair or something happened in their childhood and why did that happen? And the Bible says, hey, all this is filth and evil excess. This is residue of the self-life. What he's saying, be quick to listen to God because God is speaking to you. One of the things as a disciple, one of the first things you have to recognize is God's voice. The Bible says, my sheep are my voice and I know them and I call them by name and they follow me. That you know God's voice. When Jesus came, he gives us a, a, a way of following him. It's called repentance and belief. You repent for the kingdom of God is near. You know, the kingdom of God is hand. There's a repentance that happens. And every time you walk through anything in life, there's this like, okay, God, what was me? Like, what, what, what am I need to change my life? What do you cut out my life, God? And nothing else changes, God changed me. And so I have this repentance and there's a belief, there's a truth that God is speaking to us. And those truths are in your life. That's what your problems are teaching you, amen? There's some truth being reminded in your life. And if we didn't have those problems, the reality is we don't change unless we have to. We seek comfort. And God's like, man, I didn't call you to be comfortable. I called you on a mission. I need to grow. And so, God, I'm trusting. Matter of fact, is this, you're quick to listen. You gotta listen to the smartest person in the room, amen? His name is Jesus. Be quick to listen to God. Let him do most of the talking. Read his word. He's speaking through his word. He wrote this down for us. It's not a mystery. You can know the word of God. Just pick it up and read it. No one's no one stopping you. It's not, it's not some, some fable. Like, you, you, don't, you don't have to be a preacher. <laughs> Just have to be a disciple, amen? Just get into the word of God and let the word of God get into you. So the word is simply this. God, you have me right here. You have me right now. You have me missing this problem. And I have no solution except for you. So if it's going to be a drought, well, then I'll trust in the sun, Jesus. If it's a hard season, I'm just going to keep trusting. Like I don't need the rain, but God, if you bring the rain, I love the rain. But God, what are you teaching me? And that's what you learn in the hard seasons. Not to run away from God, but to run to God. So the theme of James is God is working while you're waiting. Your problems are opportunities to mature, to live out your faith to a lost and dying world. You just don't welcome the message in your life. You're actually called to live it out. And that's what James says in verse 22. He said, be sure you live out the message and do not merely listen. Don't just listen to it. Come on, somebody. That means, I say all the time, it means do something about it. Go do something about it. Don't just listen to it. Do something with it. And so if 
you just listen, it says, so you see yourself. Man, I, I, so people are like, man, I love going to church. It's cool. Love going to church. Man, I love listening to that podcast. Cool. Man, I love listening to that podcast. Man, he's such a great preacher. Oh, man, I love that preacher. No, 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 no. It's just listening. What are you doing with the word of God? He's called you out. He wants you to live out on faith. What are you personally doing with your faith? You're not called to merely listen to the word of God. You're not called to just listen to a podcast or hear the word of God tickle your ears and feel good about it. You're called to live it out in faith. For someone merely listens, verse 22, to the message and does not live it out, he's like someone who gazes his own face in the mirror. For he gazes at himself and then goes away immediately, forgets what sort of person, person he was. You look in the mirror and you're like, oh man, I got some pimples, hairline's going back. Ooh, I'm sexy, you know? <laughs> totally forget. Immediately, like, what is really happening? It's so true, right? And the words of God, he's called to put into our heart, not to forget. He says, but the one who peers into the perfect law of liberty, the one who stares into the perfect law of liberty, you know what the perfect law of liberty is? It's here. It's, it's kind of, it's somewhat like oxymoron, like perfect law of liberty. There's a law of freedom, the words of freedom, Jesus himself. The Bible is a law of liberty. And if you look into the Bible and you start seeing yourself, you go, oh my God, I gotta change. Because you're not forgetting who you are. It says, but the one who appears in the perfect law of liberty, like look in the mirror. And it says this, fixes his attention there. Like you set your eyes on this, you set your heart on this, you set your mind on this, and does not what? Does not, come on, the verses up there. <laughs> Become a forgetful listener. It's, it's, it's so easy to be a forgetful listener. I, I, I know God's speaking, but man, I've got so, I'm so busy doing some other stuff. But if you look at the perfect law of liberty, don't become a forgetful listener. What that means is this, that means you're a Sunday saint and a Monday ain't. Come on, somebody, right? Like I heard on Sunday and I forgot on Monday. You know, I, I'm one of those guys who love taking notes. I'm a note taker. If you've been around me, you know it. Uh, I got the, the note app on my phone. I fill it full of notes. I love it. When I, when I was young, I started writing, you know, uh, sermon notebooks, right? And I don't care. You can put the worst preacher in the world up there. I'm going to get something out of it. Come on, somebody. Because God's speaking, even if this doesn't take your fancy. But I'm going to get something out of it. I just take notes and I leave there going, okay, God, I got some nuggets of truth. And some people speak, you can't write fast enough. You're like, holy smokes, dude. Dude, the word's coming on. Because I'm hungry for God. I don't be a forgetful listener. I have to write it down. There's an old saying that says the shortest pencil is better long as memory. Come on, somebody. That's why I take notes, because I want to remember what happened. But the one who lives it out, he's blessed in all he does. The one who reads the Bible, the one who's getting smoked by the Bible, the one who fixes attention on the words of God. Like Peter, he fixes his eyes on Jesus, and he's walking on the water. Join the club. The one who memorizes the word of God. The one who puts it in his heart and can walk out and say, you know what, I don't need the book, but maybe I left it at home, but I've got the book right here. Come on, somebody. Those verses that you memorize, they'll work themselves into every time you share your gospel, every time that you share your faith, every time you're struggling, boom, right back. Every time you just God gives you the word, it just comes right back to memory. One of the things I did was a youth pastor's, I, I memorized 100 or 250, Master's 250, I memorized 250 verses with the youth kids. Now we took the kids to Chicago if they did it. And I memorized 250 verses and I did them all at the same time. So I, one day I was like, okay, here's 250 verses. Let's just start. And boom, from memory, 250 verses. Do you know what verses I use in my messages all the time? You want to guess? The 250 verses I memorized. Come on, somebody, right? Because in my heart, 
And so you just memorize the word of God, put it inside your life. It's really not that crazy. Uh, last two verses in uh, chapter one, we'll be out of here. This is verse 26. It says, someone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue and so deceived his heart. His religion is futile. If someone claims to know Jesus and says everything they think, come on somebody, their religion is futile. If somebody gets on social media and says everything that they would never say in front of somebody else, come on somebody, the religion is futile. You know, you like, if you ever get on a horse, you put this bridle along and a bit, and that bit goes across the mouth, and the, whole, the horse is steered by where you pull the mouth, right? Because that tongue is like a flame, like, Brian, come on, you preached a message earlier. And dude, it gets us in more trouble than good. Just ask Diane. <laughs> come on, she knows. I was, I, was, I, was, I was not blessed with a quick tongue and it's fat, so I mumble. <laughs> you don't know what I'm saying, but it's quick. I'm cutting you to pieces, right? It's a spark, it's a flame. It's all of a sudden just, oh wow, that was great. So I had a gasoline and a match and you know, some new update, but I was good at you, good thinking, you're an idiot. You know, right? But if someone claims to know Jesus, but if all they are is talk, that's what it means. You just yap, 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 but all you know, but don't anything happen about it. It says, it says it's worthless. It's been, said, it's been said this, that men often are very similar in their boastings, but vastly differ in their deeds. And that is so true. Every person, oh, I'm gonna win this game. Oh man, look how great I am. They start tooting the horn, blah, 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 blah. And then the day there's only one person left in the race at all. Just, what it, just how it goes, it's all talk. I hear all the time, hey, you go to church? Oh yeah, I go to church. Oh, where do you go? Oh uh, man, it's this church up, uh, it's off of like, uh, it's like, uh, like, well, how do you get there? It's like, well, you know, it's like 71, like, like what, like Banster? Oh yeah, yeah, Banster. Oh man, that's my stomach ground. I grew up by that. Come on, bro. What church you go to? I know all church over there. Oh, well, you know, uh, well, who's your pastor? Oh, uh, right? You don't go to church? You freaking kidding me? Talk, 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 talk. Like, I, just be honest with you, bro. Hey man, I've been church forever. I went to this church one time three years ago. <laughs> Right? But some people are like, oh, like you're a pastor, don't let you down. I feel you, man. Like, but just be honest, you don't go, right? Didn't take long to figure it out. Ask one question. Where's your church? Didn't no idea. Fut- was it futile? In vain. Religion is worthless. James 1:27, last verse. It says, pure and undefiled religion before God the Father is this, to care for orphans and widows in, the mis- in their misfortune and to keep oneself unstained by the world. What he's saying, you have to put faith into action. He said, the highest level of following God, pure religion is expressing God's love through our actions. The greatest thing you do as a Christian is to show off the glory of God. So as a Christian, I would encourage you, if you have the means, then by all means. If you have the means to serve, then by all means serve, amen? If you have the means to take in a foster kid, which by the way is American orphans, then by all means, have a foster kid. If you have the means to care for a widow or a widower, then by all means, care for them, amen? If you have the means as a Christian, just go do something about it. Just do it. That's what Paul, or that's what James is saying. So if you care for a single mom, if you have the means, then by all means, care for a single mom. If you have the means to feed the hungry, then by all means, just gather it up and feed the hungry. If you have the empty room of your house, then by all means, let somebody come in and stay. If you have the word of God in your heart, then by all means, be a teacher of the word of God, amen? If you have the means to open your home to lead a life group, and you don't think you got this all figured out, we need your help, amen? By all means, be a leader for the cause of Christ. 
If you can do it, then do it. That's what James is saying. If you can be generous, then by all means, be generous. Use everything you have to further the cause of Christ by all means, not just some things. That's fake religion. But all religion says, I'm a slave to God. I'm willing to give it all to Jesus. And ultimately, every single people that we've read, James, gives it all, literally. He dies for his faith, beheaded for the cause of Christ. So God is working while you're waiting. And your problems are your greatest opportunities for maturity to live out your faith to a lost and dying world. Here's the reality. You're in those problems. You're in that season. And God is leaving you there because there's people next to you that don't have the hope of Jesus. You know, you don't, when you're on the mountaintop, you don't have to look up. Nobody looks up on the mountaintop and goes, God, where are you? They look out, they look down and go, God, wow. But when you're in the valley, people are always looking up for God. And maybe God just leaves you in the valley because you're here to redeem people in the valley and show people Jesus through the hardships because God can't be trusted, amen? And he is strong. He gives you wisdom and you can walk with him every step of the way. Here's the reality to end with this. As a Christian, this gives me every time. This is the greatest hell I'll ever walk through. It's cotton candy, man. This is it. This futility, this 80 years or whatever it's gonna be. This is hard as it gets for me. Isn't that humbling? But the part that hurts me is that this is the greatest heaven. This is the greatest presence of God for most people that are going to experience. And so my problems, there's a bigger problem that people need Jesus, amen? In the midst of all those things I can complain about and all the things I don't have, I have the thing that changed everything. And I'm just going to stay down here as long as possible to point as many people to the solution, amen? That's why we're here. So it's not about us. We're slave to God. Never forget why God has you here. Count all joy, my friends. Because God's using you and he's shaping you and moving in you on a purpose to live out your faith to a lost and dying world. Father, I come before you. I pray you just have your way today, God. I pray that your spirit is moving this room. God, remind us of who we are. God, Lord, you're bigger than our problems. And today I pray that as a church, God, we would count it all joy when we walk through hardship. Because the reality is this is as hard as it gets. And so today I pray somebody in this room that's inside my voice, maybe online, that they would turn to you today and realize that this is the worst you're going to get in you, Jesus. And maybe today you need Jesus. Maybe today you need the perfect gift that came down from heaven to us, the messenger, the gospel, that Jesus died for you. If that's you today and you need Jesus, you'd be forgiven and made new. All you got to do is turn to Jesus. The Bible says, if you believe Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, that died on the cross for your sins, that you may be made whole today. And that from him, he is your rock. He is your sustainer. You can be changed. And this is not the greatest suffering. This is now the greatest suffering that you'll ever have is this earth because you spend eternity with Jesus. And today, if you need hope, you need forgiveness, you need strength.
the problems we all face, there's no one greater. There's none greater. There's only one. His name is Jesus. And so if you need him today without anybody looking around, we just raise your hand high in this place and say, I need Jesus in a moment of honesty. Come on. Don't be looking around at Jesus. If that's you, we just pray this prayer and say, Father God, thank you so much for sending Jesus in time for me. He took my place. Now I'm going to go do something about it. I'm going to go tell some people. You change your inside, inside out, God. Give me wisdom. One second birth. <laughs> give me divine wisdom to live out my faith. God, we love you. We thank for what you're doing. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, give it up for James and what God's doing. Come on. Man, what a powerful word. I don't know about you guys. I love the book of James. Just to go through it again, the way that we're doing it, it is so impactful. And if it made an impact on you today, whether you're online or in person, you made that decision for Jesus, can I let you know that we're all in for you? And there's going to be a lot coming your way. So I've got a couple great next steps for you. If that's you today and you made that decision, let us know about your decision by texting RLNEXT to 97000. What we'll do is we'll have a team member reach out to you over the phone. Their whole job is to get you connected here in real life. Get you started off on the right foot and help you in any way we can because we know that God loves you. We want you guys to know that we love you as well second great next step is if you're with us in person on your way out there's a red bag on the table at the back of the, of the worship center grab one of those inside there's a bible james is in the bible so you'll have a bible and there's also links to some other great resources we want you guys to have that so take as many of those as you want and we would love to, for you guys to have those so for everybody else i've got some great next steps for you as well and really the first one is this i want to continue to to, if you haven't started the challenge to get in or if you've already started continue to read the book of James every day and as I was listening it through on audible this week it's, what, it's like 15 minutes like Pastor Sean said or if you speed it up with 1.5 speed you can listen to it twice you can knock it out you can go through it twice right and it's so cool you're like oh I'm gonna get bored you're not you're like man I missed that yesterday how did I miss that yesterday God continually read you by you reading his word and it just never fails to amaze me how much i miss and i grasp a lot but continue going over for the next 30 days god will radically change your life so commit to do that the read me challenge do it and like pastor sean said you will continually come back to this and say oh yeah james had something to say about that you'll know it by memory you'll know where to go back to find it second thing i want to give you guys the next step for is on november 6th we're gonna have something we call child dedication your children are a blessing. They're a stewardship from God. And we want to be a part of your family to support you and love on you guys by doing something called child dedication. What it is is, is once you get signed up for it, we'll, uh, we'll share your story, your family, your child. And what we'll do is we'll wrap our arms around you guys, pray over you. Just pray that, that God's blessings just fall down on your family as you lead your family to be on mission with God. And we would love to be a part of that as a church for your family. So get signed up today for that uh, November 6th. James, James 1 talks about every good gift, every perfect gift. Really, all the generosity flows out of what God's already done for us. He's the father of lights. And so us giving back to God is really like when our kids are little and they want to be like us and they mimic the things that we do. So when we're generous back to God, we're really saying, hey, that's my dad. That's what he does. That's what I'm going to do. And so generosity is a uh, giving back to what God's already given us to us, us first. In real life, you guys are so generous. You guys do that so well. And we just love your generosity to give back to what God's got, what he's called us to do in this community. 
So to continue in generosity, as always, there's three ways you can do that here at Real Life. The first one is by going online at reallifechurchkc.com. Number two, you can text any amount to 84321. Or if you want to use a cashier check, you can drop it in the box at the back of the worship center or the buckets as they pass. As these buckets pass, if you or your family find yourself in immediate need of food, clothing, or shelter, please reach in and grab any loose cash you see to help your uh, family in this time of need. So one last thing. Next Sunday, we're going to have something called Heart and Soul Night. This is for our dream team, and we need for you guys to RSVP by this Tuesday. So we believe in celebrating what God's done, and this is what dream, this is what Heart and Soul Night's all about. It's just an inspiration to look back and see what God's done, and also to look forward to see what God's calling us to do in the future. So do the RSVP, because not only do you get Jesus, you get some Jiggy Pig. So what a great reason to be a part of the dream team if you're not already. Take a quick second and check out this Heart and Soul video. So one Sunday we were tearing down back down this hall and Dan was with me and there's parts that are easy and quick to do. There are other parts that are not so easy and quick. One is putting the tables back where they belong and you have to look at a you know, master list and look at the tape on the ground. It's just cumbersome and I hate it. So I was, I was, <laughs> so I was fussing about it one week and Dan said, I like it when we get to this point because the time that it takes to put things back together, I pray over each of the children. And that really touched me that I need to start looking at things as opportunities instead of an inconvenience. mundane as far as putting a desk back and there's a child's name hey that's an opportunity for me to pray over that kid so can't wait to celebrate with you guys a heart and soul night hey if you guys need prayer for any reason we'll have a team member up here we would love to pray with you can't wait to see you guys at a life group this week or next week at 9 30 or 11 and as always remember whoever finds jesus discovers real life and purpose <laughs>